Welcome everyone to the Team Blaney Podcast. My name is Adam Rogers and alongside me is co-host Steve Mez. As always, this podcast is brought to you by fans for fans. Steve and I have been following the drivers of the Blaney Racing family for two decades and Team Blaney itself launched on social media in 2014. Each weekly episode of the podcast offers an in-depth analysis of Ryan Blaney's latest NASCAR Cup Series race, plus news, notes, and a lineup of special guests throughout the year. Well, it's been a long time coming, but Steve and I are happy to welcome for the first time the man himself, Ryan Blaney, to the Team Blaney podcast. Ryan, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us today. Yeah, of course. Thank you guys for having me on. Um, Obviously, appreciate all the support over the years. Um, I enjoy seeing it all, and and you guys have always been, you know, always had nice things to say. So I I can't thank you enough for that. And, And even though sometimes... I don't deserve all the nice things that you guys say. Uh, it's it's always appreciative. So I'm, I'm really happy we were finally able to work something out. Absolutely. So Ryan, this opportunity with us came at the perfect time because we've reached a pretty big milestone with the podcast as this is going to be our 100th episode overall. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. That's great. No, I, uh, gosh, what perfect timing then that I, I'm able to come on on the 100th. That's, that's a huge milestone. So congrats to you guys. And Thanks for giving me the honor to to be on the 100th. Yeah, so that's more than about 80 race recaps, a dozen or so interview episodes where we've been able to kind of talk with members of your team, your spotter, uh, crew chief Jonathan Hasser earlier in the year, your sisters, uh, your cousin, who've come on to talk about everything to do with the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. So yes, you just happen to be here uh, to help us kind of celebrate number 100. So that's really, really cool. Yeah, it's great. So I kind of wanted to start off by taking a little trip down memory lane to the beginning of your career and a couple of moments that I think really helped put you on the map when it comes to the National Series and that maybe some of our newer listeners or some of your newer fans might really not be too familiar with. The first of those moments is going to come back in November 2011, the K&N West Series race. You're driving a number 11 Toyota, actually, for your dad's team. In a field that actually that featured Alex Bowman, Chase Elliott, Daniel Suarez, a bunch of other guys that ended up kind of in the Xfinity series and some other levels. You end up leading 44 of 125 laps and winning that race. Do you remember that at all? Do you remember kind of how that deal came together? Because you didn't run a ton of K&N races, just a handful there and then a couple in the in the East series as well. But do you remember that that win and it, you know, it was broadcast on TV? It was something a lot of us were really looking forward to seeing you race in. Yeah, I do remember that win. Um, I actually, in the room I'm in, dad made me a little trophy case of, I don't really keep any trophies in my house. I keep four, and each one of them are my first wins in each NASCAR series. So K&N, Trucks, Xfinity Cup. Those are the only four trophies I have in my house. And um, he made me a cool little stand for it, and I'm looking at that picture right now of us in victory lane with uh, with all that. But yeah, uh, that that race at Phoenix, um, like you said, we didn't run – a ton of K&N stuff. Um, you know, we never did a full season. We would really only go to the bigger tracks, you know, the tracks that the NASCAR folks ran on at the time, you know, the the Phoenix, the Richmond, you know, we rode around Iowa, Dover, Bristol, just trying to get a, and in dad's mind, you know, it was just trying to get a feel for, you know, that side and get some experience on those types of racetracks that hopefully I would make it to one day. Um, you know, we were running late models. So it was like, well, what's the point of running, 
the short tracks around the country that we already run in on the late models, you know, uh, we just didn't, he didn't think that was a, you know, helpful. I don't think to me, so this side could be way more helpful. So, um, we had some really good runs uh, on the Canon side over the, you know, those couple years and, um, that car, yeah, it was a Toyota and we actually bought it from, I don't know if it was called Braun at the time. Okay. Um, and then I went to Turner Motorsports. Uh, and Trent Owen was the crew chief for one of the nationwide cars and he knew dad for a little bit. And so he would kind of let us go over, use their setup plate. Cause we didn't have one at the race shop at the time. Uh, and we just ran it out of dad shop in Salisbury, North Carolina. Uh, so we had a really small operation. We had a couple of guys working on it. We had a lot of help at the racetrack, but um, yeah, that car was really fast. We ran one car, those, all those K and N days, we had yeah. one car and um, that thing always ran really good. So um I wouldn't say we were the best car early, uh, but we definitely got better at the end. A funny story about that one is, you know, you have a halfway break yeah. and uh, you're allowed to come in, make small changes, put tires on. And uh, we weren't great at the beginning of the race. So we actually went under the hood and like lowered the front of the car. And I remember Chase's pit was in front of us and Bill Elliott saw and he threw a fit. Like, <laughs> you're not supposed to do that. You can't do that. And uh, I learned this later. But uh, yeah, we, we got it tuned up really good. And, and that was, yeah, my first NASCAR win, I guess you could say. And um, that was definitely a really fun time with some good people who helped out a lot. And, uh, and it meant a lot to them as well. This next moment that I think probably is the one thing that really kind of solidified you on the NASCAR side, uh, April 2012, and then, then Nationwide Series. And it also even goes back to the kind of like I feel like the humble roots that your family kind of has and, you know, hopefully people don't think you just launched into your NASCAR career at Team Penske and the best everything ever because you actually started off in that nationwide series with Tommy Baldwin racing in a number 36 car at Richmond. It was going to be a part of a partial schedule for that season and we mentioned stacked fields. So in that race alone, you got future and current cup stars, Kurt Busch, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, Ricky Stenhouse, Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, Elliot Sadler, Austin Dillon, Casey Kane, Joe Nemechek, Justin Allgaier, Danica Patrick, Travis Pastrana. This is the field that you're up against in your debut uh, on the NASCAR National Series level. I mean, I can't even imagine the nerves for even strapping into a super late model race or something like that. You're making your debut in NASCAR with Tommy Baldwin racing, and you are basically racing a field of cup drivers. <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was a big night. Um, yeah, you know, dad was running the cup series for Tommy at the time in 2012. And, uh, you know, we had good partners with that seal wrap repair tape at the time who was kind of helping us out at Indiana and great guys. Uh, they helped me out a lot, kind of getting going, obviously, and, and um, really did a lot for us on the late model side, on the K&N side, on the Xfinity side. And yeah, that that, you know, I ran at Richmond once or twice, maybe twice in a K&N car. So I had a little ex- of experience at that track. And I remember we went down to uh, Pensacola, Florida, I believe it was, and, and tested that Xfinity car one time. Maybe it was somewhere else, but um, just had a little bit of experience in the in the in those cars and um, didn't really know what to expect. Just I was just excited for the opportunity. And that actually was an old RCR car um, that they let us buy off of them. And, um, you know, that thing was, was obviously really competitive and really good. I remember being fairly quick throughout the night and and finally got decent at the end and and ended up running seventh. And that really opened up a lot of doors for me. Um, 
you know, after that. So uh, that, that kind of, like you said, put us on the map a little bit and, and got our, you know, the attention of some bigger teams. And I think we did seven races that year with Tommy and uh, we ran, guess we ran seventh one other time, I think at Kentucky maybe. And um, after that Kentucky race, actually, I, I talked to Brad right after that race in the garage, walking back to uh, uh, the trailers and, and he was searching for a truck driver at the time. And, um, you know, fortunately I was just in the right spot at the right time. You talk about a great Richmond race, but then I went to Darlington the next week and wrecked on like lap one and a half. And I thought my career was over. So I wasn't going to bring that one up. You talk about high of highs and lows of lows. And then that is like, you know, a huge, that was a, that's a huge, um, you know, example of those, but, uh, yeah, that Richmond race I'll never forget it. Um, always been special. And, and like I said, fortunate to, to have a good group around me and a good car to, to kind of make waves. And, and it opened up, you know, an opportunity for me to eventually drive for Brad and, and the Penske group. Yeah. So you, so you bring that up, it opens up those opportunities. You end up running a partial schedule the rest of that year uh, with the truck series team. And then also team Penske on with their nationwide program, you go out in your third race ever in the truck series and you win at Iowa, something that I definitely remember watching uh, being really excited for, because, you know, we're fans of your dad forever. He did get that one win at Charlotte, but it's like, you know, just a few races in, we're already experiencing our first kind of Blaney win. How do you handle success coming so fast because that doesn't happen for everybody. Sometimes it takes a couple of years before they can break through with a national series win. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it all happened really quick. Um, you know, everything just kind of snowballed really fast and getting some really good opportunities. And, you know, I was 19 at the time, you know, you're a young kid and, um, you know, you're just excited to get a chance and, and you're wanting to make the most of it. And, you know, yeah, I mean, gosh, that was such a big win for us in Iowa for Brad's truck team. It was, you know, their first truck win as an organization. Um, a lot of guys on that team, it was their first win in NASCAR, obviously my first, you know, truck win. Um, and my mother's from Iowa. So that was pretty special to, to kind of do it in her home state. Um, so yeah, it's just, uh, gosh, I mean, it, it just, it, you feel like you have, you know, kind of, uh, you know, your hands on the reins so much and, and it seems so easy to you when you have, you know, really good success at a young age, but then you realize how hard it's, how hard it is. And how hard it's going to get as you yeah. kind of climb the ranks and, um, you know, you try to get better. So, um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's definitely, you know, I handled it like a 19 year old thinking <laughs> I was the best ever. And then you get humbled real quick, right. When wins are hard to come by and, uh, you know, they're, they're super tough to get and you have to kind of manage that as you are in the sport and realizing that, Hey, there's going to be some really rough patches. Uh, but yeah, definitely that, that 2012 year was super fun and unique because, you know, they like said, I never would have thought, you know, I would have wound up driving Brad's truck. I never would have thought I would have drove that nationwide car for Penske the second half of that year. Um, while Brad was running for the championship, that was a really cool thing to be around. You know, they were making their championship run. So I was running that car a lot more because he was focusing on the cup stuff. And um, that was a cool thing to be around. You know, Brad being my boss on the truck side, me supporting him, you know, as a Penske driver on that side. Um, gosh, that was just such a fun year. And uh just got to meet a lot of great people. And, and fortunately, you know, have, have known those people for over 10 years now. It's hard to believe it's been 10 years ago. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a wild ride. So. So speaking kind of continuing on with that theme of success, you have an incredibly impressive record in the NASCAR Xfinity series, a 10% winning percentage. Uh, so that breaks down seven wins and 70 starts, 43 top fives, 57 top tens, you're part of a couple owners championships with team Penske. 
he didn't get the opportunity to run for championship in the Xfinity series, something that I think was in your grasp, could have been in your grasp. Are there any regrets or anything for just for not being able to get that shot? Yeah, I'll tell a fun story about that. So, um, yeah, like you said, so we, you know, I, I did a part schedule in Xfinity uh, in 13, 14, you know, 15. Um, and in 13 and 14, I did the full truck schedule. So I, I had a good amount of, you know, different types of vehicles I could drive, you know, and I, and I was busy every weekend. I felt like, and um, running for those owners championships in that 22 car, gosh, I, that was so much fun. Um, that, that group was such a cool group that ended up being kind of my wood brothers cup team. Uh, that whole group from like, you know, 13, 14, 15, uh, oh, I'm 15. We were, we were part wood brothers, but um, just a cool group of people. I felt like we were always, you know, we were racing against the 54 car, the Gibbs car, uh, I felt like every year. And um, so we get to the winter of 2014 and, you know, I'm, you know, not going to drive for Brad uh, full time anymore. And we're trying to figure out what we're going to do. And we're talking to Penske and they kind of, they give me an option. Uh, you know, they say, Hey, you can run a full Xfinity se- season in 2015 in the 22 car run for a championship, yep. you know, Probably gonna have a lot of success because at the time our Xfinity cars were super fast, really good. And I and I thought, you know, we have a really good shot of winning the Xfinity championship. Rate would be racing against Chase, you know, that would be really cool, kind of battling him for a championship. Uh, or your other option is you can run, you know, handful of truck races, fifteen Xfinity races, and like fifteen Cup races for the Wood Brothers. And uh, I, I decided to run you know, part cup schedule because I really wanted that experience. I wanted the opportunity to drive for the Wood Brothers, um, knowing that it would, you know, most likely go to a full-time season in 16. That was kind of already the plan. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Some days I regret like, man, I wish I could have run that full-time to try to go for a championship. Yep. And um, cause I felt like we would have had a good shot at, you never know what could happen, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy of the decision I made on that side. Cause it, I think it prepared me for 16 a little bit better doing more cup races and, um, and yeah, but, but yeah, I, uh, I never got to run for Xfinity championship. And I always wish I could have, but I, I think doing the mixture of what we did, I thought helped me for the future. When, um, when you do get that first cup start, uh, was it 2014 mm-hmm. at Kansas, you had to qualify in on time because the 12 car didn't have any owner's points at that point, obviously. And you actually bumped somebody from the field. Do you remember one of the, one of the guys you bumped from the field? I know I sent that home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i always that's my favorite little statistic adam to make sure i you know i brought that up because there's a, <laughs> you know we're, you know we're following your dad at that point and it's like wait a minute <laughs> yeah I, you know i was in a little bit better stuff than he was in uh but yeah that that uh kansas race dad was running you know a small small time to gig uh for that right. group and um you know, I got an opportunity to, to make my first cup start. We did two that year, Kansas and Talladega. And um, it's funny, people, people ask like, oh, you got your start in the Wood Brothers car. I'm like, no, I actually made my first debut in the 12 car, which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I remember going out and qualifying, knowing both of us are go or go homers. And uh, we ended up bumping dad. So I, uh, I felt bad about it, but he was really happy for me. So that made it better. So, you know, coming off uh, the Cup Series racing at Bristol a few weeks ago, and I'm sure you you get this constantly, you know, when you guys were running on dirt at Eldora in the trucks and then these Cup races that they've done now there, this huge misconception that 
uh, because you're a Blaney that you grew up racing dirt and it's in your blood and it's all that, (laughs) that kind of stuff. Does that ever kind of get annoying having to answer those questions or having to explain yourself to say, you know, you know, I had, you know, some limited dirt experience, but you know, I'm not the typical Blaney, you know, sprint car driver. Yeah. I think that's finally gotten, I've gotten past that point. Uh, you know, obviously when we started, when we did the truck race in Eldora, I had to answer that a lot. The first dirt race at Bristol, I had to answer that a lot, even though it was, you know, two, three years ago. Um, they're like, you should be pretty good, huh? You got a bunch of dirt experience. I'm like, I have one of the least in the field of dirt experience. I just, <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, I mean, like you said, people think, cause you know, my dad and, and grandpa and uncle Dale, you know, I, I grew up racing dirt and that's just wasn't the case. You know, I've, I've maybe driven a dirt car a handful of times from racing to just testing, you know, I tested that sprint car a couple of times in like 2012, ran a couple of dirt modified races, um, you know, aside from the, you know, cup stuff or, or NASCAR stuff on dirt. Uh, yeah, I did. So I didn't really have much experience. And, um, but yeah, that was a, a big misconception about me. I had to set straight. I'm like, Hey, don't judge me because I have I have no clue what I'm doing on this stuff. Uh, just cause I, I, I didn't grow up around it and it's, you know, it's something I, I never did too much. Can you clear up something for me? Because when I was working at Sharon Speedway and scoring, I have this memory that you ran a green flag sprint race, which was like a limited sprint race yep. while I was working there. So did, is that something that actually really did happen? It did. Yeah. It did. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, those green flag sprint cars that they had was like you said, like a limited, you know, engine sprint car. Um, I ran one race there and we were actually leading it and uh, ended up blowing up or something. But um yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was cool to run Sharon in a sprint car. That that was even though it was a half sprint car, it was still yeah. Stupid. Yeah, so it did happen. Blaney, you did, did. You are Blaney yeah. that has run a sprint car at Sharon Speedway. So I yeah. wanted to make sure that happened. You brought up that um, you're testing a sprint car around 2012. Is it true that your dad kind of went behind your back and maybe shut that whole that whole deal down from happening uh, anymore in the future while you're focusing on some cup stuff? That is true. Um, I didn't know this at the time that he did that. The thing is, I found that out like only like four years ago. I mean, this was recent. I found this out. So it went years without me knowing. So we're testing dad's sprint car, you know, 2012. Um, you know, he's building his own cars. He's running. I might go to some tests and he's like, hey, you want to jump behind the wheel of this thing? I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. And, uh, you know, I guess I scared him one night. I guess I made him feel uncomfortable one night and and, and kind of being, you know, a, a typical dad. Right. So. Um, and, and, you know, my kind of NASCAR career is trying to, we're trying to get our feet wet in that. So I remember we were in Texas in November or late October running the nationwide car and, uh, Tim Sendrick, president of Penske racing, uh, you know, is in the trailer kind of asked me how it's going in practice. And he like leaves the trailer and he turns back and he's like, Oh yeah, by the way, no more driving sprint cars. I was like, and we just tested like days before. And I always wondered, I'm like, how did he find out? I was like, how did he know? There was like three guys at this test. And then, yeah, I was telling that story to dad like a handful of years ago. And he was like, yeah, because I called him and told him to tell you never to get behind the wheel again <laughs> because you scared me half to death. And uh, so it's, it's funny how I, I, you find that out years later. Yeah. Now, I, I will say, though, you know, despite maybe not having a ton of dirt experience, but you've been you know, from the truck all the way into these cup cars across both types of cup cars on the dirt, you've run really, 
really well, actually. Now, you're not necessarily one of those guys that's going to hang it out there, maybe like Larson and Bell have. You seem to run a pretty consistent line, kind of keep the car pointed forward. Do you think that has maybe actually helped you excel uh, so far now that they've been doing that? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, we've we've run pretty good on the dirt stuff. Um, like I said, we had a great run going this year until the end of the race. And um, yeah, I'm just not one of those guys with that much experience who can go just throw it on the cushion like those guys can. You know, I just I just can't do that. I don't have experience to do it. You know, Bell, Reddick, Larson, Briscoe, you know, those guys are comfortable with that and they they're really good at it. And um yeah, I've just kind of I call it like the the Dale Blaney or Donnie Schatz line, you know, kind of run in the middle, bottom, <laughs> yeah. creeping around there straight. You know, Dale was bottom feeder guy and Donnie always kind of finds ways in the middle for a long time of of being good and that's how I kind of was going at, at that race. And uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, I'm not one to throw it up there. I just don't, uh, can't do it good enough. So I got to find other ways to be successful at it. So several current drivers have kids and that's, I'm not going, going, going there with that. I'm going <laughs> a like, different direction. <laughs> um, but we, we have the opportunity to see guys like Kevin Harvick, uh, Kyle Bush, Kyle Larson, all bringing their own kids up through, the ranks now a lot of them running out at millbridge or if you're keelan harvick you're running overseas trying to build a formula one career um so what kind of racing dad or driving coach was dave growing up was he you know super hands-on was he super critical was he uh, just go out and have fun can you kind of explain that dynamic that you guys had as you were growing up and getting into the sport yeah dad was always really hands-on um as much as it could be, yeah. you know, I mean, when I was growing up racing, he was, had a career of his own. So he wasn't, you know, I had a great group of guys I'd travel with, you know, every weekend, you know, from quarter midgets to, to legend cars, late models. I mean, an amazing group of guys who, who really uh, became family to me. And, um, you know, so yeah, he was very hands-on during the week uh, at the race shops and he was very critical. I mean, my dad is a very, you know, kind of cut and dry person. And I, you know, personally enjoy that. You know, I, uh, Maybe not so much at the time when I'm a young kid, but you look <laughs> yep. back on that stuff, you're like, I, I, I like the way he approached it because I've never been kind of a sugarcoat guy. You know, if, if, if I'm doing something wrong, I need you to tell me because obviously if I'm doing it wrong, I don't know I'm doing it wrong. So I'm going to keep doing it unless you tell me. And, and dad was one of those guys who was pretty hard on me to get better and do it right. And, and I think that makes you better, you know, as you grow up. So um, looking back on it, I really enjoyed it. Uh, for that reason, because I think it makes you a, a little bit stronger person. And, and um, you know, yeah, so dad was very hands-on, very critical, but I am thankful that he, you know, was that way and uh, kind of kind of molds molded me in a way that, you know, I, I don't really get my feelings hurt too much. And, you know, I'm don't sugarcoat me. I'm kind of a straight up guy. So that's, that was all dead. And you have a, you have a few nephews out there now. Um, and we've kind of teased your, your sisters and your your cousin there uh or your sister and your cousin about um whether that they're going to be the future of the the racing family so i I wonder if um if anyone's been kind of pushing that uh that on them just yet they're a little too young right now but yeah they're a little young you know my sister's kids are two and four and uh it's a little bit too young i feel (laughs) like maybe down the road i got them each sets of golf clubs see how they and I think she appreciated that instead of me getting them like a go-kart. I think she appreciated that a lot more. So maybe down the road. Yeah, we'll see. But uh, yeah, it's, it's fun to be an uncle and um, it's, it's cool to watch, you know, those two boys and, and Leah's, you know, son, um, you know, well, she has two kids now uh, really, you know, kind of start growing. And that's, that part's, you know, really neat. 
Um, we've noticed like in the last year or two that the, your social media presence has kind of changed a little bit and gotten a little more dynamic really um, with the uh, Twitter and Instagram now too. I actually look forward to some of the Instagram posts on the weekend. Uh, can you kind of talk about like what you try to do to try to reach more fans that way? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not the most, I wouldn't even say the most, I'm not really a social media guy at all. I mean, I'm not, uh, it's just something I don't really do. Like I don't really go out and, and, you know, throw stuff out there. I think maybe when I was younger, because you, you know, that stuff, you just feel like you need to do it more. But now I just, <laughs> you know, I kind of was getting laxed on it. Um, and then the last couple of years, you know, I got, uh, you know, a guy, Justin uh, works for me. He does a really good job on kind of the social side. Um, coming up with really cool ideas, you know, the Spotify idea, you know, different towns we go to race, you know, the first year we kind of put all the songs on that playlist and now fans can, can kind of input their stuff too. So that's kind of a cool interaction. I actually get some good songs from it too, that I've never heard of. So that part's nice. Um, and then, yeah, just even like the updates, you know, it's always good to update people and, and stuff like that. So he does a great job at that stuff, you know, and he and I work, you know, through that. And, um, but he's a, he's a big factor in that side. And, uh, I, you know, thankful that he's willing to do all that stuff because it, it gives, you know, folks that follow me a little bit more insight, you know, whether it's the weekend or, or just more interaction. And that's, uh, that's what you need. You know, I'm just not, I'm just not very good at it. I'm bad at it. And so he, he always, you know, kind of ties everything together. We've been seeing a lot of different cars this year, different paint schemes and so on and so forth. And I wanted to ask you, like, what is the, your favorite paint scheme that you've driven past present or even future maybe that might be coming out soon that you've driven yeah um yeah we got a lot of schemes obviously we have a lot of partners and um you know gosh the the menards car changes up every week right i mean yeah. all different mm-hmm. hoods and and vendors on that thing it changes um you know body armor always has some pretty cool you know schemes so i'd say like my top three over the years have been uh we did a david pearson scheme for the wood brothers car um, I think in 16, we did that. That's one of my favorites. The Kobe Bryant tribute car we did, uh, was a very, very, you know, obviously terrible circumstances, but you know, it was, it was, uh, it's still, this is to this day, one of my favorite cars, um, you know, for what it meant to the people of, you know, close to Los Angeles and stuff like that. And, uh, big part of body armor he was. So, um, felt like we, we, we kind of paid him our respects for doing that. And then, gosh, the body armor water car was super cool uh, in Atlanta. That was that was one of my cool favorite paint schemes. You know, I, a simple, you know, ninety percent white, ten percent black car. It's it's really kind of cool. I, I think if you do them right, they're clean looking. Um, so yeah, that, those are my top three. No specific order, but uh, those are my top three. But I think we got some cool ones coming up that that uh, might pop up in there too. What is what is maybe some of favorites that somebody else has driven? Uh, what do you, around the garage? Different things that you've seen over the years that you really like? Yeah, um, you know, gosh, throwback weekends always super cool. You know, to see what kind of everyone you know throws out there. I really wish uh, the one thing I wish we changed about that weekend is is no one announce what your scheme is. Just show up and see it for yeah. the first time on TV at the racetrack. Like that would be super cool. Like I wonder what they're doing. Um, so yeah, I always like walking around the garage and, and looking at that stuff. Obviously, you know, getting to run my dad's Jasper car there a few years ago was was really neat. Um, I was a big Jeff Burton fan back in the day, and uh, you know, he had that. I think it was the Prilosec car, like that lightning car. Uh, Remember that ninety nine? I think he ran sure. at thirty one a little bit. But- Xside, maybe it was Xside. That's what it was. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
the Exide card, I think Harrison ran that last year, and that was really neat. I like that brought back memories. Um, and then personally, I know a lot of people didn't like it. Uh, I liked the Jimmy Johnson scheme that he did with part Petty, part Earnhardt car. Oh, I remember that. People, some people didn't like it. I thought it was awesome. I mean, because that is the coolest thing that you, no one else can do that. No one else can run that scheme. I mean, that's that's just, you know, the, he's the only guy who could do that. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of cool ones out there that, you know, I walk around and look at if it's a special event that uh, you're like, man, I, I I love that thing. That's that's really cool. I can't wait to see. It's going to bring back memories of seeing Harvick's 29 car at Wilkesboro. That's going to be really cool. Yeah. I'm excited to see that in person. Yeah, I have to say, I definitely uh, lean towards a lot of the body armor schemes over the years have been really cool. I will say I got to go to that Atlanta race earlier this season, and it was perfect the way it lined up because all the merchandise, all the die casts and everything were all ready to go for that race. And, you know, I've got a die cast. I'm getting the T-shirt. I saw more of those T-shirts, you know, that people had to have bought like at the trailer that weekend, you know, around the track and in the stands. I thought it just as far as like promotions go, that lined up really perfectly um, and such a cool car to see it out on the track too. Yeah. Yeah. That's something we really tried to do. You know, you got to get that, that stuff done so early, right. I mean, to be able to get all that stuff into production and uh, huge that body armor was able to do that, you know, cause that's the way to do it. You know, I mean, if you're debuting a special scheme, you got to have the car there, you know, special the shirt there for that race. So uh, hopefully we can do more of that. If we have kind of these, these, special or kind of unique schemes that you can actually, you know, get at the track when you, when you see the car for the first time and not have to wait you know, six months for a diecast to come out. So you've probably heard this a lot, but you know, everyone has a podcast now, including us uh, for the last couple of years of years, but you really on the NASCAR side, were kind of a pioneer when it comes to podcasting and then others have popped up since then. Some this year have been a little bit more controversial than others or got people in a little bit of trouble. How did the idea for starting Glass Case of Emotion come about? And do you do you miss doing that? I mean, it was a different type of show. Like you guys weren't really yeah. on there to talk about racing. You were talking about pop culture and lots of other things and maybe a couple minutes about racing. But you know, how did that get started in the first place? And do you ever miss uh maybe the grind that comes with having to record one of those every single week? Yeah, that got started. Um I think we were coming into twenty seventeen, maybe. So the winter of 2017, I feel like, you know, I went to NASCAR and, you know, I was like, hey, you know, I, I want to do a podcast with you guys, you know, or I want you guys to produce it. Yeah. And uh, but I was like, the big thing I, I said, there's there's a lot of racing shows out there right now, you know, Race Hub and, and you know, NBC stuff. I was like, it's there's so much information of that stuff that goes on. It can kind of get lost in the ether at some point. So I was like, I just want to do something that we don't talk about racing. It's going to be like 10% of the show. And I was like, we want to talk about different things, get drivers on here and show their personalities. You know, if drivers go on, you know, a bunch of racing, you know, shows, you know, they're in like work mode, you know, they're in driver mode and and stuff like that. I was like, these be cool for everybody to kind of be in a relaxed setting, you know, talk about whatever you want to talk about. If you have something you want to speak about, I said, we don't, we don't talk on two things and that's politics and religion. I said, those are the only two things we're not going to talk about on this show. And uh, NASCAR loved it. And, um, you know, I, I said, I think we should do it with, you know, me and, and two other folks. And I suggested Kim Kuhn, who's, you know, was great. And, you know, Chuck Bush, who was, you know, kind of our ringleader almost really 
mm-hmm. um, would kind of rein us in. But uh, those were really fun. We had some really cool guests on there. Um, you know, Gostel Jr., you know, Jeff Gordon. We had, you know, other artists. We had musicians, um, comedians. Um, you know, it was just a super cool kind of, uh, you know, blender of ideas and people and and folks who'd come on the show. And um, I had a lot of fun doing it. It just, it kind of got to be, I wouldn't say too much. It just uh, almost felt like it lost some of its thunder, but it never really lost its thunder. But, uh, you know, things get busy and things change and, and we decided to, you know, stop it. And um, I do miss it a little bit. And uh, you never know, maybe one day we'll, we'll fire it back up. But uh, I don't know when that day would be, but you never know. You guys could always come on our podcast and do it. You know? There we go. <laughs> yeah. we'll, let you, we'll let you guys line it right yeah. up. We'll, we right up. we'll get out of the way. <laughs> yeah little little reunion show every once in a while that'd be kind of yeah. cool we're coming off super speedways you know we you know we had a uh, talladega we had atlanta a couple of weeks ago and i kind of wanted you to like talk about the relationship between you and the spotter josh we've gotten to jo- talk to josh here on the podcast it's if i listen to the scanner every you know most of my report is from the scanner and um it's really impressive to listen how well the two of you uh work together during a race yeah yeah you know josh and i have worked together since 2015 um, it's been a long time and, uh, you know, he used to be AJ Allmendinger spotter, you know, uh, up until then. And he was kind of looking for something new and I needed someone, um, you know, to be my full-time guy. Uh, cause I was running more cup. I, I was actually using Brad spotter at the time, Joey Meyer, cause I wasn't doing really any cup races so he could do it. Um, so yeah, I met with Josh and, uh, I think I met with like two spotters and, and I knew right away, you know, I really like Josh, um, you know, pretty young guy, you know, his personalities are pretty similar, uh, very calm, you know, kind of, you know, soft-spoken guy. And, and I feel like that's what you need to have, uh, as a spot, or at least I do. And, um, so yeah, it's been a, a fun relationship for us through the years. Um, obviously we, we continue to, you know, you're always working on things with your spotter and kind of information that you, there's useful information and then there's useless information. And, you know, it's, it's about separating those two, and now, you know, we kind of just know, but that's like the biggest growing period. It's like, you know, all that stuff. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, gosh, he's, he's huge on speedways like Atlanta, Talladega. He's, he's big everywhere, but those places, you know, the spotters, you're really relying on them. And, um, he does such a good job and we have a really good system worked out on the speedways of kind of, you know, timing, um, you know, the tone of his voice kind of tells me how urgent the situation is, you know, how close I'm cutting it. If I really need to get to a lane quick, I can kind of tell little tendencies in his voice. Um, so yes, yeah, one of those things, it takes time to kind of build that relationship. And and luckily we've had a really good one and, um, you know, we're still here. So you, you drew a lot from, uh, from learned a lot from him in your spotting debut. <laughs> one for one. One for one, bat a thousand. I don't know if I'll ever do it again. Got to go out, go out a winner. So, uh, yeah, a little bit. You know, I the spotting thing for Joey was fun. He called me up a couple weeks before that and asked if I wanted to do it because his spotter was doing uh, a truck driver and he needed somebody. He didn't want to take you know his spotter away from that guy. So um, I was like, yeah. I mean, I said I'll warn you. I haven't spotted in like ten years and it might go really bad. Uh, but I'll do the best I can. And, um, but it was fun. I mean, the worst part about it was it was, I was so cold on top of the spotter stand. It was miserable, but that was the only, the only bad part. And he made it pretty easy on me and gosh, he led pretty much the whole thing and, and was super fast. So that was a lot easier than running like mid pack, 
I have to say that that was probably as far as like for for our, our social media account, that was probably one of the most fun nights we've had in a long time because it was totally unexpected. You know, we're watching practice and I was half paying attention. I'm like, wait, hold on. Did they just say Ryan's going to spot tonight? And I'm like trying to find out. I'm like trying to rewind it. And then, yeah, um, yeah we had a lot of fun with that. We had a little maybe fun of your expense on a, a TikToker too with you talking about it being cold and you can kind of see you you shivering up there a little bit on, on the roof. Please. But, but man, that was a, that was a lot of fun. And they, I mean, the TV folks, you know, they kept coming back to you and back to Joey and sometimes talking to both of you at the same time. I'm like, they're really eating this up. Cause this is, this is really cool to see. Yeah. You know, they, they wanted to announce that like the week leading up to Bristol. I was like, no, I'm like, just let it play out. I'm like, it's not that big of a deal. It's like, it's, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, like they'll find out eventually. And I'm happy we didn't, you know, make a big deal out of it throughout the week. You know, it was just one of those things like that day it's like, Oh, Blaney's going to spot for, you know, Joey and, for the feature. And, um, That's great. I didn't really want to talk to the TV folks. Gosh, I'm doing a job up there. You know, I'm trying to do the best I can. I'm trying to listen to NASCAR. I'm trying to listen to Joey, you know, the TV boost in my other ear. I'm like, I'm trying not to miss like a one to go, uh, pits yeah. are open. I was like, I really just don't want to mess up, but it turned out being a lot of fun. I got one question. My wife, she, she's like, you know, she says, you got to ask him this one. Um, besides spotter and driver, if you were with team Penske on a race day, what other job would you be doing? Oof, man. Um, that's a good question. I really don't know. Um, the only thing I feel like I could do well, like well enough to, to validate, like being there is almost being like a driver coach kind of thing you know, like kind of watching practice and kind of having a relationship with a driver of kind of talking through, you know, maybe what I'm seeing, what are you feeling? That'd be the thing I, that I just know most about. Um, you know, I'd be the most comfortable doing uh, as good a job as I, I would probably want to do. So what, what would be something you'd just like to try though? If you could, if you could try something, what would something you'd like, just like to try? I would not want to be a crew chief. That's way too stressful. Uh, <laughs> those guys have a tough job. Um, I'd like to try. I mean, I mean, I think it'd be fun to be a mechanic, you know, to be a, be an underneath guy, you know, those guys are, are super good at what they do. And, and um, you know, yeah, I think that'd be great to kind of, kind of be one of those guys on the weekend. I mean, those, those guys work their butts off. I mean, all weekend and obviously throughout the week. And um, but yeah, that would be, that'd be fun to do. I'm not smart enough to be an engineer either. So I, I couldn't do that. I wish I was, I wish I was, uh, but yeah, I think a mechanic would be, would be really good. So throwing out the wife questions here, I had one that I know you've answered before. Favorite body armor flavor. We go through cases and cases of it to all different flavors. She's a big fan of the new cherry limeade stuff. So which one, uh, <laughs> which one is at least your favorite uh, of this month? Yeah. The, the cherry lime that they just came out with really good. Um, gosh, I, I, my favorite one from day one, ever since I, you know, got with those guys, that blackout berry, that's like my favorite one. Um, other than that, that, the peach mango light is really good. Really, uh, blueberry pomegranate is really good, and uh, there's like a uh, there's a pineapple one uh, that I that I like. So those are probably my top top handful. So you've been at least running cup races now for all the way from 2014 till now. So that's about nine or ten years that you've been in the cup series. Your dad's career. So we got a late start. Um, Sixteen seasons, and he ends up retiring in his fifties. So if you spent 16 seasons in the series, you'd only be about 35 or 36. <laughs> yeah. How long, um, 
how long do you foresee your career being? Because some guys have cut it a little bit shorter than others because your guys, are, you guys are starting way earlier than anybody else used to. Or do you? Are you going to be one of those guys, you know, like a a Norm Benning or somebody out there that's running, you know, as long as they quite possibly can, just because they love racing? Yeah, I don't know. You know, it's um, if so, it's something I've maybe thought about a little bit every now and then. Um, it is it is crazy, you know, back just you know, 25 years ago, you know, you didn't have guys getting started this young, you know, you didn't have guys in the cup series at 18 years old. That was like a rarity. I remember when Joey Logano came on the scene and everyone was just, that guy's what age, you know, I mean, it was just crazy. And uh, you know, like you said, my dad got such a late start on the NASCAR side until he got his opportunity and wanted to do it. Um, that's nuts. I've never thought about the age gap on, on like seasons, right. You know, years yeah. in, in NASCAR, uh, but you know, he and I compared, but yeah, I don't know. You know, I feel like it, I personally to me, you know, I, I want to go until I don't feel like I can be competitive enough to win anymore. You know, I, I feel like I don't want to hang around, you know, if I'm, you know, a little older age, if I'm not competitive anymore, you know, and feel like I can go out physically and mentally and go win races, you know. Um, so at whatever that age is, it is, I have no idea. Um, but that's kind of my mindset right now. One cool thing that you've done over the past few years, and it's actually kind of been a mission of us to help promote as much as possible and talk with as many people as we can uh, from the organization. And that's going to be the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. Um, again, started in 2018. What was the, I, we know some of the motivation behind it, but what was, you know, kind of the main motivation to just even start a foundation? And there, also there's a big event that's going to be coming up for this, uh, the week right before the the 600. Yeah. Um, yeah. When we started it in 2018, uh, you know, it was something we thought about for a couple of years prior to that, even. And, um, you know, I felt like personally, you know, you get in a, uh, in a good position to where you can, you know, have some influence on a cause that you want to support. Uh, you're, you're, you should do it and you should do the best you can to try to help people. So um, when we sat down and, and did the foundation, it's like, okay, where do we want to, you know, focus our efforts and we wanted a personal tie with something. And, you know, my grandfather Lou had Alzheimer's and uh, you know, so that's what we wanted to mainly focus on. Uh, so, you know, work with the Alzheimer's association, they've been amazing um, to get to know all those folks over there. They're doing you know such a great job and, and, you know, whatever it is, you know, whether it's raising funds, awareness, you know, research towards the disease uh, you know, teaching people, and families about the disease who have a loved one who has it, how to take care of that person and how to make them feel as comfortable as they can in their home. Um, been really fortunate to, to learn about that stuff a lot uh, in depth. And, um, and then, you know, after that, we still work with the Alzheimer's association, but it kind of is, it's morphed into kind of overall brain health as well. You know, working with UPMC up in Pittsburgh, uh, my dad went to them when he got hurt a handful of years ago. Dale Jr. has been up there. Uh, they help a lot of, of not only athletes, I mean, people who've just had concussions and, and uh, they've, they've kind of been a little messed up. And, and Dr. Mickey Collins has been amazing and a big pioneer on that side of it. So uh, to get to work with them also was, was really special. And uh, you know, yeah, looking forward to having our event before the 600, our little, uh, our top golf event. Again, we did it last year. It was a hit. Uh, we got a lot of, you know, really really good momentum out of that and and hopefully it's even bigger this year so i'm looking forward to it we have way more we have like a whole other floor this year so it's growing maybe by year three we have the whole place 
<laughs> locked out so we can we yeah. can have it so yeah i'm going down for sure uh the wife and i and, and like i tell everybody you don't have to be that great a golfer you know you just have to yeah. hit it and put it out there and but i've heard that your game is getting better and better yeah so my, big, my big question is how many strokes does josh have to give you now <laughs> uh yeah i mean the first part of that yeah, I mean, the reason why we wanted to do the Top Golf event was everyone can do it, right? You don't have to be a golfer to go out there and have fun. Um, we thought about doing an actual golf event, but then, you know, not everyone plays golf and uh, it can be not as fun. So, um, yeah, I I, uh, I played golf, not growing up. I started playing in like 2013 and 14 and I gave it up because I was terrible. I stunk and I was over it. And then I picked it back up about two and a half years ago. In, in COVID, actually, like the, the end of 2020, I kind of picked it up and uh, fell in love with it and uh, really enjoy the game. Uh, it's an incredibly tough game, but it's like one of those things that like consumes your life. I mean, it's just something that is is crazy. And uh, I, I love the game. But Josh, yeah, for those of you listening who don't know, Josh is an amazing golfer. I mean, he was amateur for a while. Um, incredible. So he – I try to make – Kim, give me, well, I don't bet with Josh. Number one, <laughs> I don't bet with Josh. <laughs> We're gonna leave it at that because it's just not happening. So uh, he's too good for me, uh, no matter how many strokes he gives me. But um, yeah, I mean, I would need, I would need at least eleven to twelve strokes to like compete with Josh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Last year, um, he came down to our our booth at the end of the night, and I have a driver that's, um, well, we'll say it's not quite legal. <laughs> but I wanted to see him. I wanted to see him hit it. And he put a couple balls up over the fence. Nice. <laughs> with that. <Nice>. thing. <laughs> it was like, I thought he'd break the club first before. Not quite ball. legal. How do you? How is no, it? <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's can't a little, take it on the pro tour. Uh, yeah, that's true. Exactly. <laughs> and I can't play for money with it. Cause I need that. I need that. <laughs> well, Ryan, honestly, like I said, it was a long time coming to be able to get to talk to you on the show. Something that, you know, for a long time, our listeners and people that follow us, all follow us have been asking for because they thought, you know, we'd have a pretty good perspective and maybe speak for them a little bit uh, when asking you some questions. So thank you so much for giving yeah, us the time. And um, we hope to talk to you again sometime in the future. Anytime, anytime you want to come in and, you know, correct us. <laughs> <laughs> no, if, you listen, if, you've, if you've listened to an episode or two, you might go, what are they talking about? That's not what <laughs> happened. <laughs> no, you guys do a good job. Like I said, I appreciate all the support. It, it, uh, it's really cool. Uh, to have, you know, folks like you out there, you know, going to bat for us every weekend. So thank you guys. Um, thanks for having me on. Congratulations on a hundred episodes. Uh, and yeah, I definitely do this again sometime. I had a lot of fun. So thanks guys. All right. Thank you. Thank you everyone. Once again, for tuning into this episode of the team Blaney podcast. If you'd like to learn more about myself or co-host Steve, just listen to our very first episode from a couple of years ago that explores our Blaney racing fandom. You can interact with us on Facebook and Twitter at team Blaney and on Instagram and TikTok at team dot Blaney. And finally, we'd like to encourage you to support the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. Established in 2018, this organization supports causes like the Alzheimer's Association and UPMC Sports Medicine through fundraisers, events, and membership in the Blaney Bunch Fan Club. To learn more, visit RyanBlaneyFamilyFoundation.org or follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But for now, and for my co-host Steve Mez, I'm Adam Rogers. We're going to catch you next time right here on the Team Blaney Podcast. Good night, Brussels. Well, thanks everybody for coming. I hope you enjoyed it.